All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love, your grace, your joy, your peace. Thank you for who you are and teach us to see ourselves as you see us so that our minds will be renewed so our actions will reveal who you are in us as we are in union with you. Be the voice of peace today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When God messes up your plans, how dare he? Anybody feel like that sometimes? It's like, seriously, God? Like, really? Now? Really? <laughs> yeah, it happens. And it's happened several times. What do we do when God seems to mess up our plans? We, we had things figured out. We had it planned. Oh, yeah. It was, things were going good. And suddenly, <laughs> blindside. Hmm. I want to talk about that today. How do you respond when your plans get messed up? And what can we do? I think this is an important topic because at different times of the year, there are different crises that hit us. And in this church family and those that are listening and watching, I know there are people that have gone through blindsides, sudden changes, difficulties, divorces, um, kids walking away from mom and dad saying, I don't want to talk to you anymore. Friends not talking to each other, misunderstandings. Boss comes in, hands you a pink slip, you're done today. Uh, let security usher you out. No warning. All that stuff. Those are real blindsides, real crises that hit. And we have to navigate through them. And I want to give you a hope-filled perspective on how to walk through this stuff. Expectation is always associated with these failed, <laughs> messed up plans of ours. Expectation is a huge issue when it comes to feeling like God messed up our plans. Expectation it means a strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future. Reality had not lived up to expectations the way to see it. And there's some synonyms there too. Expectations. We have an expectation, and when that expectation is not met, what is the next thing that happens? Disappointment. Every time. Failed expectations always leads to disappointments. You have an expectation that a certain person will act a certain way at, at a, during a certain circumstance and it doesn't happen. You're disappointed. When <laughs> you expected you were going to have a, a certain job and it's suddenly gone, you're disappointed. I want to flip the table for just a moment. How does this work with our expectation of God. Some of us feel we disappoint God, that our behaviors, our choices 
or just our essence is a big disappointment to God. That we've screwed up so badly, we have so disappointed God. I'm here to tell you today, there is no way that you have the power to disappoint God. Remember the definition and how it comes about. Expectation. God has no expectation of you. He's called you and I into a relationship of freedom, of no expectations. He's not even asking you to do stuff for him. He wants you to trust that he likes you, that he loves you, and that he values you. And until you arrive at those key revelations, you can't do anything for him. But what will happen as we grow in our trust of our Heavenly Father's love for us, we're going to see an internal coming out, an internal action that's uh, sparked by divine love in us to want to do some things. Because we're in union with our God. This is big. This is, oh, sorry. <laughs> there, <said> it again. <laughs> this is big. <laughs> but it's huge in the head. Like, you've you got to realize that our thinking matters and it affects everything we do and say. Hmm. Proverbs 19.21 says in the New Living Translation, you can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. Or in the message, it says, we humans keep brainstorming options and plans, but God's purpose prevails. That's pretty hopeful. Or Proverbs 16.9 says, we plan the way we want to live, but only God makes us able to live it. In the message, Proverbs 16.9, in the Passion Translation, says, within your heart, you can make plans for your future, but the Lord chooses the steps you take to get there. I think I'm coming back to that one later. I'm not sure. But we may make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. I learned this one years ago when I was at camp as a worker and staff person. It was Circle Square Ranches way back then. And this one hit my heart. That I may have great plans. Oh, let's try this, try this, try, try this. But whatever that looks like, whatever passions, whether focused or not, the Lord is the one who makes it all happen. He's the one who directs the steps for his purposes. And you may be given a desire for something over here because he wants you there, but you're nowhere ready for that. So he guides you to this one. Oh, that's great, because you weren't ready for over here. Then suddenly the disappointment happens, and you end up over here. You go, I didn't expect this, but you wouldn't have seen this without the disappointment. And now Oh my goodness, this is amazing. Look at this opportunity that came because of the disappointment. And suddenly, God's directing each step gently. Sometimes it feels harsh. Well, perhaps a perspective is He, our Heavenly Father, is trying to get our attention. Not that the circumstance is God doing it to you. That's where I believe the church has gotten it wrong. God is not doing these things to you. He is walking with us, in us, through all these changes, and he is not unaware of them, okay? Not unaware. 
fully aware and even fully aware of the steps that need to follow after that and never leaves us through each of those steps. Psalm 81.13 says, Oh, that my people would once and for all listen to me and walk faithfully in my footsteps following my ways. Oh, that we would listen. I think that's the same heart of our Heavenly Father for all of us today, for all of humanity. Oh, that they would listen and know I love them and do not have an expectation on them. Oh, that they would hear me. That's a love of God. Perhaps God may have a different plan than what you thought. Is, is that maybe possible? <laughs> Watch this. Jeremiah 29, 11. If that's true, which I believe it is, see what the ulterior purpose is here. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not to abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. And he's, your, he's the one who plants that hope in the first place. So whatever redirection he may have for you, or a different plan than you thought, you thought it was supposed to head that way, but somehow veered way over that way, but your expectation, is it possible that this is all part of a joyous redirection of an original direction? Huh. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, No one's ever seen or heard anything like this. Never so much as imagined anything quite like it. What God has arranged for those who love him. God has arranged so much for every one of us. And if we're only seeing the crises and not the hope of the arrangement and the hope coming... We could be pretty depressed. Now, let me give permission to those who need to practice lifting their heads up to the hope perspective, because the crisis could be drawing your attention, and in some cases, that's natural. It, you've got to work through it. You don't get over it, and I'm, I'm sorry when I have said, time to get over it. I've said that often in the past. I apologize. I was wrong. We don't just get over it. That's more of a sharp statement that says, I'm done talking, and grow up, when really you may have no idea what the other person's going through. And I've unfortunately used that terminology, and now I want to switch it to, you're going to get through it. There is hope. So the crisis may be bogging you down, and that's all you can see, because unfortunately, there's stuff you've got to deal with with that crisis. But... There's a magnetic pull to the hope if you perceive it. It is there. Even in the middle of the darkness. And you may have to do this and then boom, back to your crisis. Oh no, no. And then the Holy Spirit draws you up. And suddenly you start to, until, until you're now focused on the hope. And this is a process of moving from fear <laughs> Gee, that happens a lot in Scripture, too. I wonder why Jesus said, fear not, and why angels said, fear not, because that is a human response, a good one. There's nothing wrong with it, because it's part of our makeup, but we don't live there at all. 
take a look at what he has arranged for you. Genesis 50, 19 to 21 says, but Joseph replied, and again, the context here is his brothers are freaking out because they believe they are in imminent potential danger uh, of being brutally, um, having payback done to them by their brother Joseph because Joseph's father has died now. So the patriarch who kind of keeps the peace and everybody listens to the patriarch, the father or whoever it was, the one who has the most influence, you know, um, and uh, they're afraid now. And he says this, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of me. Uh, am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me. Okay? And, and they did, right? So he called out a truth. He didn't back away. He said, look, you guys really did try to harm me. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Do you remember that series on forgiveness, which we're going to start again or continue on next week? Uh, in that series, we talked about one of the requirements for offering forgiveness verbally. Because first, it's between our Heavenly Father and I uh, and us. But the relational one, part of that is calling out what the pain was. He did it. He said, yes, you intended to harm me. Kind of obvious. Um, uh, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly. It's amazing what kindness can do. In a softer tone, something I... I'm learning at home. <laughs> you know, do you know how sometimes we react and can sound like we're mad? <laughs> Nobody? Oh, oh, stop elbowing each other. Oh, my goodness, the movement that just happened. Whew. I didn't see anything. I didn't preach down to this. Okay. <laughs> the tone matters. And that's, one of, that's a tough thing to realize because... It requires self-awareness. And I know for me personally, I'm entering into a new realm of becoming self-aware of what I sound like. I have some things to learn. And these are good things. Because it will make for better and healthier relationships. Holy Spirit's the one who's the teacher. And I, I'm learning not to try and run ahead to try and learn these things. But I'm made aware of some things that, I thought, okay, I'm going to, I didn't realize that sounded like that. I, I want my true heart, my oneness with Christ to be heard. I want the true intent of my heart to be understood. And if it's not working, I've got to find better ways to communicate that. Because here's what Joseph did. He kindly spoke to them so they would believe him from the heart. That mattered. Just saying the words... But I told you afterwards, you know, I told you I was fine. No, no. How you speak matters with intention. Perhaps this mess up of your plans is an opportunity to learn to trust God and not yourself. We don't like this one because we like to be in control. All of us do. God, if you're up there, give me a sign. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> Romans 8.28. Yeah, it's a, it's a literal sign. Yeah, okay, you just got that. Good for you. 
So we are convinced that every, oh, by the way, convinced, that's the key word, convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. Wow. Convinced that every detail of our lives, even the mess-ups, even if we are the ones who messed up God's plan, (laughs) he's bigger than all that. Who are we to think we can out-behave or out-sin the love and grace of God? There is no possible way. Even Jesus, you know, he, he... died for us while we were blind and still sinners. Had no capacity to be aware of what was happening, and he did it anyway. (laughs) That's love. That's grace. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Maybe God wants to reveal more of himself to you in the situation that you're in or were in um, that the environment, it was not possible to learn what is now coming. That's hard to let go. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty. <laughs> we can look back and see, oh my goodness, yes, I see, oh my goodness, that led to this. That would have, this would never have been possible if that didn't happen, and on and on we go. <laughs> Philippians 2.13 says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. This is an all-God thing. All-God. Perhaps God wants you to just know him. Maybe there's an intimacy issue. Uh, Intimate knowledge of who he is and how deeply he loves you. And when that happens, trust will follow. Oh yeah, trust matters. Because when push comes to shove, the measure of trust in that crisis reveals itself. Which gives way for growth in that area. But had you not been challenged, you would not have grown in trust. Without that crisis, there's no way you could continue to mature in an area you didn't even know you needed maturing in. Psalm 46.10 from multiple translations, and I remember Jen was put into the bulletin. I got the bulletin a couple days ago, and it says, be still and know. That, that, that got this going today. So, okay, this is what we're talking about. Because in the crisis, what we don't do uh, is stop and be still. My default is, react on! You know, whatever. It's just go, 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 go. But to be still is not a natural thing for me, if you didn't know. (laughs) I don't do slow. But to be still, because in the stillness is where we calm. And there are many ways to do that. Meditating on the Word of God, meditating on um, your identity, confirmed by Scripture, uh, being purposeful in quietness 
and not allowing busyness to clutter our minds. And there are many tools out there to help us do that. And they're worthwhile, especially uh, if you don't know how to do it. There are tools available. But here it says in, in the New Living Translation, it says, Be still and know that I am God. The New American Standard Bible says, Cease striving. <laughs> that was good. And know that I am God. It gets better. There's another better one coming. And then in the message it says, Step out of the traffic. Take a long, loving look at me, your high God, above politics. That preaches well today. Above everything else. <laughs> well, and lastly, I love this one. From the Passion Translation. Surrender your anxiety. Be silent. And stop your striving. And you will see that I am God. When you know God... Trust becomes your muscle for when crises hits. It becomes peace because the peace of Christ will be there and you're going to have an experience at some point, if you haven't already, you will have it, that out of nowhere, crisis hits and there's a weird peace right there that, why am I not reacting like I normally do? I usually flip out. And yet there's a peace. You still, you'll still be emotional. That's fine. But there's a peace. And even if you do have a moment of back to peace, you're allowed to. <laughs> but this is what I'm talking about. Philippians 1.6 says, I pray with great faith for you because I'm fully convinced that the one who began his glorious work in you will faithfully continue the process of maturing you and, he, and, and will put his finishing touches to it until the unveiling of our Lord Jesus Christ. Or NESB says, for I'm confident of this very thing. God is bringing you through maturity. You can kick and scream, but you can't alter God's plan for you. You're going to learn. You can make it really hard on yourself, or you can surrender and go, okay, it's your call. But the purpose is good. Always. It's always good. The maturing process he has for you. John 16.33 says, And everything I taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. For in this unbelieving world you will experience trouble and sorrows, but you must be courageous or cheer up is what the word can mean. Uh, for I have conquered the world. Here's what it means he's conquered the world. Jesus has taken away the power of this world, this world has, to defeat us and has conquered it for us. Peace is resting in his victory. You do not have to pray for victory. It is already yours. You don't have to pray for something you already have. Because when you pray for something you, you're... Uh, that you think you don't have, then you're speaking to the negative, And all you're going to see is what you don't have. I'm seeing that now. 
wink, wink, Ralph. <laughs> you know, like he's, Ralph's been teaching me and he didn't even know it, you know. Careful what you focus on. If you're focusing on your deficiency, your life will be focused on deficiency. That's all you're going to see. But when you see instead the fullness you have and the fullness of God, you've been given everything you need for living a godly life, you look there and say, oh, I've got victory, so my prayer needs to change. So that I pray, Father, may I experience the victory that is in me, the one that's already there that I can't see. Open my eyes to see what is there, or peace, or patience. That's a good one. We often say, Lord, give me patience. You've got it. None of us lack patience. It's awareness we lack. Awareness of the patience of Christ already in us. And in that resting of being still, wow. I wonder, I wonder how that would affect our lives if we believed all this. If you think it was God who messed up your plans, then your plans aren't actually being messed up. They are being divinely redirected by the hand of God. So your plans aren't messed up after all. Do you hear it? Like if you're giving God credit, God, you messed up my plans, um, the one you call God, this is going to force us to question, who is this one? Are we speaking of the real God? Or are we talking about a God that's worshipped in this world? A false concept of who God really is, that he's a tormentor of people that he gives and takes away. You know, he's the one who's the cause of all bad and good, because after all, if he brings the good. It's like people... Praising God, they had a safe drive home through a horrible storm, but half their friends' cars crashed. And all that. Oh, but the Lord protected me. Let's think about that for just a minute. What about your other friends who weren't spared the same? This makes us step back and asks, ask some questions we've not asked be careful how we speak in that regard. It's like the Patriots playing today. <laughs> I know they're going to bend a knee and pray. Most of the football players are believers of some kind. They just don't look like it when they're on the field. <laughs> 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 yeah, they all do their thing. So I, I have learned this that as both teams deeply pray for a victory today, I already know what God is going to do. I don't know the outcome, but I know what he's going to do. He's going to sit back with the Spirit and with, with Jesus, and they're going to watch a really good game. <laughs> I hope. <So. laughs> oh, my. Sometimes we focused on a, a God who is a puppeteer, He's not a puppeteer. We focus on our circumstances so much. When life is not about our circumstances, it is about the people he's placed in our lives. I am learning 
things here at Hope Fellowship. I'm learning how to better connect with people as best I can. I, I've been able to all the time. But something I'm valuing and my eyes are being open to is time together is quality. When we did the Christmas tree sale, there were people who sat up there freezing themselves, but they were up there talking, connecting, people that didn't always meet each other. There was a fellowship that could not have been planned, but was valuable. Did they sell any trees that one night? Nope, but there was conversation. Over the Saturday morning, nope. It, like, it, but conversation happened, and levels of connections just grew, just, just a little bit, just a bit. Imagine as more of that happens in different ways throughout this family and through people you know where you live. Imagine what will happen. And then you will discover that the plans you thought got messed up were actually, and potentially even for somebody else's purpose, Did you read what Joseph said? You had every intention of hurting me. But God had a different intention which saved millions. (laughs) We cannot see into the future. We should not spend all of our time dwelling on the past. We can peek and learn from it. It's great. But you don't live there. It doesn't exist anymore. And the future's not here yet. And if you focus too much on all the fears and outcomes, then your stress level is going to go up because you're trying to manage all these potential outcomes. It could go this way, it could happen that way. Oh no, what if that happens? That means another redirect, so we'll create another delta. And, and then you got these graphs of how you're going to handle. And, and then the next day comes, okay. No change or some change. Okay, now i got to rechange all this. And your brain is exhausted from trying to control life. Yes, there's wisdom in planning. Wisdom in advice. There's wisdom in financial planning. Family budgeting. Folks, if you don't have a family budget, it's an unwise thing. You need one. You need to plan for the future. Those are wise things. You're not doing it out of fear. You're doing it out of wisdom. So be careful that your pendulum doesn't swing this way. That would come fully. There's, there's a wisdom there that will matter. So when the blind sides hit, when God messes up your plans, if it is God's plan, it's not called a mess. It just looks like it to you. Look past and through the darkness, and look for the light instead. Because if all we see is darkness, Jesus said it himself, how great is that darkness to you then? If the light that is in you is darkness to you, how great is that darkness? That works in this circumstance fully. In whatever crisis you're in, you may see, ah, how could they have done that to me? Is there a way to look? You may not do it in the first instant or second instant or day or two. <laughs> Who knows? But let the Holy Spirit reveal. You might be given the gift by the Holy Spirit to see a, a flicker of light, a flash of light. That light is your hope. And that light will draw you in 
to that hope he's got for you anyway. Your circumstances do not determine who you are. Your past does not determine who you are. It just shows you where you have been, and some of those things that have happened in your past play in as contributing factors to how you've learned to function and cope with life today. And they're not always healthy coping mechanisms. So the crisis may be yet another opportunity to grow and find a better way to react. I'd love to hear some of your stories today. It'd be really awesome. I know there's a ton. That means you guys need to talk, converse, have coffee. There's a lot of amazing stories sitting right here. It could speak great hope. I hope you'll consider that sometime. I think, you're not going to believe this, but I think that's it. <laughs> Thanks, Russ. First time you ever ended early. <laughs> Pray for each other. Open your eyes and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see the Lord is good. Let's pray. Father, teach us to look to you in the middle of a crisis, in the middle of a storm, to not look at the crashing waves as the fear or the symptoms of our crises, but rather to learn to be still, get out of the traffic, stop the striving, and rest in you, in the fact you've got this, and you are not going to leave us in this process to the next place we need to be. Be our peace, be our wisdom, be our trust. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.